we come to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And in this part on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to his followers about three standard obligations of the faith. Giving, fasting, and praying. Jesus' instruction is not that they should cease in these practices, but his instruction is interesting to me in how to go about these practices. Today's teaching from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew is about giving. Here are these first four verses. Be careful when you do your acts of righteousness, not to do them before men in order to be seen by them. If you do, you have you will not have a reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the streets and the synagogues. For I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It is my understanding that David has been preaching this summer, sitting on a stool, because when Jesus uh, taught in the Sermon on the Mount, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that he sat down. And we know that a rabbi who wants to say something really important does not stand to teach, but sits down to teach. Well, I will have you know that preaching from a stool has given me more concern this week, maybe, than the content of my sermon. What will I wear? How will I sit like a lady? Oh, I've got to tell you, beware the Pharisees. (laughs) I am one of them. It was a road trip, a day trip, that I won't soon forget. It was the summer of 1997, and Keith and I had just moved to San Antonio. I'd just started working at this church, and David and Reed McNitsky invited us to go with them to their new lake house at Lake LBJ. We stopped along the way at a gas station where Reed and I spent several minutes on the candy aisle. I remember that Reed selected a pack of gum. He must have been five or six at the time with probably 30 or 40 pieces of gum in it. And I was impressed because he was able to chew the whole pack before we got to the lake. I decided upon something chocolatey. I picked a package of Rolos. Caramel and chocolate just sounded good that afternoon. Maybe it was the gold foil, the nicely way it was wrapped. I don't know. For whatever reason, that's what I selected. We got back into the car, continued our drive. I opened up my candy and looked down before I put it in my mouth to find that it was full of worms. A lot of worms. (laughs) Looks good on the outside, but on the inside, completely rotten. Jesus' words of instruction this day to his followers are to prevent rot. Be careful, he says, that your inside doesn't rot. Take care of your inside. Help your inside to match up with the pretty package that we put it in. And Jesus tells his followers that there is one surefire way to have rot in your life. 
And that surefire way to have rot in your life is to seek the approval of other people. There is a book that's titled Glittering Images that tells the story of Charles Ashworth, who is an Anglican priest. And Charles was well-respected by those in his congregation, even by those who supervised him, those who were above him. But Charles began to notice that there were some inconsistencies in his life and that there were some negative feelings uh, that he may not have been uh, so aware of as he went about his day-to-day life. He had um, made an unsolicited, unwelcomed advance toward a married woman. He began drinking pretty heavily to numb uh, the emotional pain that he was feeling. And he noticed that he was lying in God's name uh, to promote God's cause. And so Charles began to uh, talk with a trusted friend. And he told this trusted friend about his family. And he told this, this friend about a recent story of being with his parents. When his parents got into a heated argument. And at the end of the argument, his father physically struck his mother. And because Charles was an adult, he offered to take his mother away. But his mother verbalized the commandment that had been so much a part of his childhood that he had carried on into adulthood in her response to him. His mother said, no, I can't do that. What would other people think? They must never know. What would other people think? That is uh, the cause for rot in so many of our lives. Jesus said in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John to his followers, how can you have faith when you seek glory from one another and you don't seek glory from the one true God? Seek glory from the one true God was Jesus' instruction. Live your life not for an audience of many, but live your life instead for an audience of one. I like what Dallas Willard says on this topic. Dallas Willard says, I'm not forced to live my life for an audience of one. When I decide to live my life seeking the approval and the esteem of others, God graciously, courteously steps aside. Because as I wish, my life then does not concern God. And so I think it's important to be ever mindful of the audience that I am seeking as I live my life. And Jesus gives his followers three images in this passage to keep them ever mindful of how they live out their daily lives. And the first image that Jesus gives his followers is the image of the trumpeteer. He says, when you give to the needy, Don't announce it with trumpets. There's no need to let other people know what you're doing. You know, when I preach on a topic here in this congregation, I believe that I am blessed because so often God works with me on a very personal level on that particular topic. About a month ago, David came to me and asked me to preach on July the 18th. And before I even knew what the topic would be, I said yes. And you know why I said yes? I said yes because I knew that that would be the weekend after I got back from the New Zion mission trip to Louisiana. So I would have lots of stories 
about all the good work that we had done, about all the good deeds that we had performed. Be careful not to announce your good works with trumpets, Jesus said. Oh, God does have a sense of humor when dealing with me. If you announce your good works with trumpets, that is your reward. The second image that Jesus gives his followers is the image of the hypocrite. Now, in the year 30, a hypocrite was nothing more than a Greek stage actor. And Jesus and those who lived in Jesus' world were very familiar with the Greek theater. In fact, we know that when Jesus was a boy, there was a theater built in Sephorus, which just was a few miles away from Nazareth. And some scholars say that Jesus and maybe his father had worked uh, on the construction of this theater. So the world of the theater, the world of the actor, was a a world that Jesus' followers knew. So when Jesus says, beware the hypocrites, or don't do as the hypocrites do, what he's saying is don't do as the actors do. Don't be like an actor. Now when Jesus started in the year 30 using the word hypocrite, there was no negative connotation to that word. But in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uses that word 17 times, always to refer to the Pharisees and the scribes, and to describe that their insides don't match the sparkling, glittering image that they present present to the world, that their insides are hollowed out, that their insides are empty. And so when Jesus was done with that word, hypocrite, it had a different connotation. And that is a definition that we know, that we understand of the word hypocrite today. Our media is quick to expose Christian hypocrites who present very squeaky clean, but on the inside their lives are hollowed out or filled with junk. I would say that these particular Christians are people whose lives are the metaphorical equivalent of homes on the show Hoarders. Their lives are so packed with guilt with shame, with condemnation, that they can't even see the foundation. There's no place to rest in their lives because stuff is packed and stacked upon stuff. There's no nourishment in their lives because while they initially brought nourishment in, well, it's spoiled and rotted. And everything around it is rotten as well. And so their lives begin to leak. Maybe there's an affair Maybe there's theft. Maybe there's an angry tirade that's audio taped. Whatever it is, their lives began to leak. And I would tell you that I believe that the church is partly to blame. We're partly to blame because we have promoted this idea that Christians should live happy, squeaky, clean lives. That that's who we are and that's how we live. Instead of promoting the truth of our faith, which is the truth of forgiveness. John Wesley wrote that we were striving on for perfection, not that we were perfected when we came to Christ, but that each day we could grow closer and closer to God. Jesus says to his followers, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like those who are acting, who are fed lines, who have painted on smiles, but be people of depth. Understand and know this truth of forgiveness that Jesus is so much about. Richard Foster wrote in the Celebration of Discipline, 
What's needed in our world today is not more gifted people. It's not more intelligent people. But it's more people of depth. And so I think that Jesus would want us to live very regular lives with our eye towards the eternal. Ecclesiastes says, from dust you have come and to dust you will return. And then the third image that Jesus gives his followers in these verses of scripture is the image of the hands on the body. Jesus says, do not let the left hand know what your right hand is doing. Well, how could this be possible? How could the left hand not know what the right hand is doing on any given body? That makes no sense. Well, I think what Jesus is suggesting here is that generosity, is that giving would become so second nature to us that the left hand wouldn't even notice what the right hand is doing. It would become so second nature to us that it would be like speaking our native language or breathing or walking just a way of life. Well, I can't help it. I have to share snapshots with you from my trip. The first day that we worked in New Orleans, we went to the Lower Ninth Ward, and we cleared a lot on the corner of an intersection right by a stop sign that had weeds that were five and six feet tall with weed eaters and clippers. The only complaining that I heard was from the adults. (laughs) The kids were very gracious, very generous. That afternoon, we went and we sang at a retirement home there in New Orleans. And the choir took their folders inside, their music folders inside, so that they could share their music with the residents as they sang. My daughter went and stood next to a man who was in a wheelchair I believe that he probably had some form of dementia, but that dementia didn't stop him from continually trying to stand up and offer her his chair. Very generous. 